Good morning. To read from Jeremiah, first day of Advent, or first Sunday of Advent, rather. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the good promise I made to the people of Israel and Judah. In those days and in that time, I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line, and he will do what is just and right in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will live in safety. This is the name by which it will be called, the Lord, our righteous Savior. Today we focus our hearts on expectation and hope. May it remind each of us and everyone of God's great promise to us. He is our hope, he is our redeemer, and he is our savior. Beautiful painting, Joel, to show us visibly what the Advent may represent, the coming of Christ, changing his form forever on our behalf, regardless of what we do with his great sacrifice. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this Advent season. We thank you for your great sacrifice to come and be our Savior. We're reminded of your promises to us and how you fulfilled those promises so faithfully. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness, for your grace. We thank you for this season when we remember you coming as a person, as a man, just so you could be our Savior for each and every one of us. Help us to remember that in this season, to give to others as you've given to us, and to love you the way you deserve. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Love that. And so we are excited to um, begin our Advent season together today. We're going to be starting off with hope. Doesn't this scream hope? You're like, I don't know what to say. Yes, no, maybe, right? <laughs> hey, John, would you hit those lights for me? I want to be able to see faces. I want to, I want to make sure you're awake. I want to, I'm just kidding. Um, so as we begin uh, Advent, you might start off with one really crazy question. What the heck is Advent? <laughs> Right? So Advent is this beautiful thing. It's, it's, it comes from a Latin word which means coming. And so the idea is behind this word is the coming of a notable person, a notable event, um, a notable thing. And so it's the expecting of that coming. And so during Advent season, what we do is we prepare our hearts and our minds for this beautiful coming of, of Jesus, the, of Jesus literally incarnate, Jesus the Christ child. So we turn our hearts and minds for that. So for the Christian, it's this season leading up to Christmas where we celebrate, for us, we're going to celebrate it each week, the first four weeks, uh, the, four, the four weeks before Christmas leading up to that. And so today begins that preparatory season for us, and it's significant, significant for us as Christians because we're looking forward to, we're waiting for that great thing that's coming. That beautiful thing that's coming. And we have the benefit as Christians on this side of Jesus of knowing that he came. But we want to put ourselves in the mindset as we um, spend this Christmas season in the mindset of those who were around and alive before he came to earth. That, that, that mindset of, of, of hoping for something that's unseen. Hoping for something that hasn't yet come. And so we focus our hearts and our minds on this Advent season on that because the, the Christian faith is birthed out of this beautiful thing. It's birthed out of a people of promise. It's birthed out of a promise from God to people that uh, for centuries that he would send a game changer, that he would send a savior, that he would send someone that once they came, the world would never be the same afterwards. 
And we know that he fulfilled that promise, right? This promise that he spoke in Jeremiah 33 that John just read. Um, look, the days are coming that is the Lord's declaration when I will fulfill the good promise that I have spoken. He's saying, look, the days are coming. I'm going to fulfill that promise that I gave to you. Concerning the house of Israel and the house of Judah in those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to sprout up for David. A righteous branch. He's talking about basically someone coming from the lineage of David. In those days and at that time, I'll cause a righteous branch to sprout up for David, and he will administer justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah and Jerusalem, or Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will dwell securely. And this is what she will be named, Yahweh, our righteousness. At Christmas, we celebrate the fulfillment of that promise. In this time, we look forward to that promise. He, he made that promise that he would send the game changer that would heal what was broken. And so during this time, we celebrate and anticipate that. These four weeks, we put ourselves in that mindset. So how do we as a church, how do we celebrate that, right? Like, how do we how do, we do that? Well, there's a lot of different ways that, that you can do it. First and foremost, um, well, not first and foremost, but one of the ways you do it is Advent wreaths. Have you guys ever seen Advent wreaths before? Like the church that I grew up in, we did an Advent wreath every Sunday uh, or the first four Sundays before Christmas. And so you have like this little wreath and each, there's like a candle representing each week. So there's a candle for hope, a candle for peace, a candle for joy, um, whatever the other one is, I can't remember right now. Um, there's all these candles, okay? Um, but apparently they have this problem with us lighting fire in the movie theater, so we couldn't do that. Um, so we have like our silent rebellion, those candles. You know, they're flameless, so they think. I'm just kidding. Um, but so what we're going to do to celebrate is each week we have a painting from Joel and from Brittany um, that are going to represent what each different week of Advent means. And so each week we're going to reveal those paintings. So this first one we have is hope. Another way that, that you can celebrate just as an individual Advent as we focus our minds on Advent is through an Advent calendar. And so uh, what Advent calendars have, they're really cool. They have each day leading up to Advent, there's like a scripture verse or a depiction of, of, a, of a picture of, of something to help us focus our minds and think about Jesus leading up to his coming. And so we actually have some of those for you this morning as well. And so if you want each family, we have them out on the Welcome Center. So before you leave, make sure you grab one of those because you can put them up. We're going to hang ours on our mantle. And so you'll see every day of Advent, there's a, a verse to kind of focus your heart around, focus your mind around. Um, leading up to Advent, there's um, Advent devotionals that you can get that have each day a devotional for Advent. So I just want to encourage you in this season that we have, which I love the Christmas season, but if we're not careful, everything about the Christmas season can lead us away from the reason for the season, right? It can lead us away from Jesus and looking to his coming. And so we want to, as a church, take this time in this season and make sure that we focus our hearts and our minds and our lives around the reason, right? And so I want to encourage you to, to take advantage of those opportunities as we celebrate. Um, here, focus your hearts, use the calendar, find a good Advent devotional as we prepare for the coming Savior. Like I said, we kind of have the benefit of knowing what happens, right? We want to put our mindset, we want to set our hearts and our minds in the mindset of people who maybe didn't know that he was coming or th that knew he was coming and believed in the promise and the hope that he was coming, but he wasn't there yet, Right? And so how do we do that? How do we look back? Well, I, I thought that maybe we could just go through the whole Old Testament real quick this morning. What do you guys think about that? Is that cool? We got time, right? The Cowboys already played, right? So we got nothing to get to, right? Um, 
And so as you know, the Old Testament is, or the Bible is split up into to two sections, right? The Old Testament and the New Testament. And what's, the New Testament is kind of when Jesus comes here on earth. Right? That's when the New Testament kind of starts off with his birth and then his life, and you see all writings about, about his life and that kind of stuff. The Old Testament tells the story of these really cool people, the Israelites. And there's a lot of, like, it's, it's really cool. Like, there's a lot of movies that could be made about the Old Testament. Like, that's where you have David and Goliath. Um, you have Noah's Ark. You have all these really cool things that come out of the Old Testament. But oftentimes, what's missed uh, in the Old Testament, what we don't see if we're not careful, is that the whole Old Testament is actually about one thing. The whole Old Testament is about pointing to the coming of Jesus. Everything in the Old Testament is pointing out this promise that God made to us that he would bring this Savior, that he would bring this game changer, that he would bring Jesus. And so if, as we look at the Old Testament, I want us to always remember that what it's truly doing is pointing to this promise that God made, this coming promise of Jesus. We look all the way back in the Garden of Eden, man, we're going all the way back, right? The beginning of time. You see God create. You see um, the world made. You see him say, it is good, right? You see all that kind of stuff. And then we see Adam and Eve's sin. We see death and sin entering the world. We see um, God saying the relationship, this perfect relationship that we had together, what was perfect and beautiful and unified is now broken because of our sin. And there's a brokenness there that has to be healed, that has to be restored. And so at the end of the whole Adam and Eve thing, we see this, this beautiful promise that God makes. And he's talking to Satan, actually. He's talking to the one that tempted them and the one that, that caused them to stumble. And he tells me, he says, one day I'm going to send this one. I'm just going to paraphrase. I'm going to send this one, this, this, this Savior. I'm going to send this guy, and he's going to, you may bruise his head, heel, right? He says, you may bruise his heel, but he's going to crush your head. And what God is saying there is he's pointing to the cross. He's making this picture to us. He's describing this moment where Jesus is going to come on earth and there's going to be a time where he dies on the cross and Satan's going to think that he won. But actually what's happening in that moment is Jesus is crushing Satan and death and hell and he is restoring what was broken. And so from that moment on in the Old Testament, we see a picture pointing to this hope. From that point on, we see a people who are looking for this hope, who are looking for this one that God has promised, this one who's going to come, who's going to fix what was broken, this one who's going to come, who's going to crush Satan now and forever. From that point forward, the Old Testament is about hope anticipating the coming of Jesus. They may not know him by name. They may not know exactly what it looks like. They may not know exactly what it sounds like. They may not know exactly what it's going to be. But the whole Old Testament from that point on is about hoping and anticipating for the one who's going to come and is broken. And I think that's interesting, right? If we were to look at our lives and our own relationships with God, how often would we say, it didn't look like I thought it was going to look. It didn't sound like I thought it was going to sound like. It didn't end up like I thought it was going to end up, but I knew this was God's plan the whole way through, right? And even in this moment, when they're, they're anticipating the one who's going to come and fix what was broken. They didn't know what it was going to look like, but they were just hoping for it. And in the end, it was more beautiful than they ever could have imagined. So after Adam and Eve, there's this guy named Abraham who comes along, and, and God makes a promise to him, and it's this really cool promise, which basically says, I'm going to birth a nation out of you. He, goes, he has a vision where God comes and speaks to him, and he, he kind of walks out into this garden, walks out into this, to the outside of the tents, and, and God says, Abraham, look up at the stars. So Abraham looks up at the stars and he says, I'm going to, 
he says, I'm going to give you this, the descendants that are more numerous than the stars. I'm going to basically birth a whole nation and people out of you. And it's really, it's really kind of funny because Abraham's really old at this point in time. He's like 80 years old. And so Abraham's response to God is like, hey, God, I'm old. And my wife, she's even older than I am. How are we going to make this happen, right? But what Abraham learned is to not doubt God because ultimately what happens is this Israelite nation is birthed out of Abraham. You say, well, why is that important? Because God makes a promise that it's out of this nation, it's out of these people that I'm bringing from you, Abraham, that I'm going to save the world. It's those people that this, this thing that you're hoping for, this thing that I'm promising, that's where it's going to come out of. And so this Israelite nation is born, and they have, if you read the Old, Old Testament, man, they are some crazy people. They have, you have, they have ups and downs and all arounds, and you're just like, there's times you just want to like throat punch one of them. You're like, dude, what are you thinking? There's times you feel sorry for them. There's times you love them. They're, 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 some, they're like that, you know that side of the family that like you love, but you don't really necessarily want to introduce to your girlfriend that, or boyfriend? That's, that's the Israelite people. They're crazy, right? They're those crazy cousins. But we see God just walk through this, in this amazing time period all through the Old Testament. You see them go into slavery in Egypt, and then you see God miraculously bring them out of Egypt using Moses. Y'all, y'all seen the movie, right, where he parts the, the Red Sea, and he's like, let my people go, and they all walk through the sea. Y'all remember that one? Y'all know what I'm talking about? And then immediately, as soon as they get out of the Red Sea, they're whining and complaining about, about being set free. Like, this is the kind of people I'm talking about. God sets them free from slavery, and then they're mad about being set free. It's weird. It's a weird people, right? Weird group of guys. So we see them set free. They're hoping, even this time, they're hoping, they're waiting for a savior. And so what they do is they say, hey, God, we want you to set us up a kingdom. And so God sets them up a kingdom. And we see this King David. That's where David and Goliath come from. You guys have heard about him, right? So David and Goliath come through and they think that, they're right, this is it. This, this kingdom is going to be our savior. And yet they find out that it's not. The kingdom's not their savior. And yet even in that kingdom, we see God make a promise to them in 2 Samuel um, through King David. Through the guy from David and Goliath, he says this promise, I will establish my play, a place for my people, Israel, and plant them so that they may live there and not be disturbed again. Evildoers will not afflict them and, as they have done ever since the day I ordered judges to be over my people of Israel. I will give you rest from all of your enemies, the Lord declares to you. The Lord himself will make a house for you. And when your time comes and you rest with your fathers, I will raise you up and your descendants who will come for your body and I will establish his kingdom. And he will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne in his kingdom forever. He's talking about Jesus here. He says, the one that comes from you, the one that comes from David, I will establish my kingdom forever. He's going to be the Savior. Again, we see this picture of God pointing to the Savior for them to hope for. He says, through you, David, through this king, I'm going to, through your lineage, I'm going to bring this one who's going to establish my kingdom forever, establish my throne. And they're thinking, awesome, right? Through this David guy, we're going, to have, we're going to have the Savior. He's going to come from him. They're hoping and anticipating the Savior here. You guys know what happens after that? Well, they have a long list of kings. Long story short, David dies. They have good king, bad king, good king, bad king, good king, bad king. And then the Babylonians come in and crush them. They're like, well, this stinks. <laughs> God, you promised that you are going to save us. God, you promised that you were bringing this hope. You promised... You promised that it would be different than this. They think that it's over. Like I would, right? I would think that it's over. 
They think that the Savior that they've been hoping for is over. But then God makes them promise again. It's like he just keeps reminding them. Like every time they think it's over, he's like, don't worry, guys, I'm, I'm here. Don't worry. And, and I, again, I think that's true in our lives. Like there's things that we go through and there's times that, that life is, is hard and we're struggling. And it's like in those moments, God comes in and he just taps us on the shoulder and he just gives us these little reminders. Hey, guys, I'm here. Mike, I'm here. It's okay. We're going to get through this. I'm here. And it's through the prophet Jeremiah that he makes the promise that John read this morning. He says, look, the days are coming, and this is the Lord's declaration. When I will fulfill the good promises that I have spoken concerning the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to sprout up for David. Again, pointing back to David. There's going to be a guy that's coming from David's lineage, and he's going to be the Savior. And he will administer justice and righteousness. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will dwell securely and this is what she will be named, Yahweh, our righteousness. What's interesting about that passage is that it's taken from the book of Jeremiah who's this prophet and he was called to speak to the, the, to the Israelite people, right? And he's continued to speak to them through this, the falling of their kingdom. So they're, they, they've they're fallen, they're, they're being taken away from their land. Like, and there's these people, the Babylonians, when they come in, what they did, they had this really interesting war strategy, okay? And it was genius. Instead of conquering a land and then making the people bow to their will and making them become like them, what they did is they took them away from their homes and marched them 100 miles and gave them new homes so that they had nothing to fight for anymore. So the idea is like somebody coming here, if they conquered Texas, which will never happen, right, guys? Someone came to conquer Texas and uh, they said, all right, Mike, I'm going to take you out of your home in Fort Worth and I'm going to move you to California so you have nothing to fight for anymore. I'm going to move you away from your home so you don't want to fight for your home anymore. It does two things. It crushes your will and it takes you away from your home so you have nothing to fight for anymore. And so in the midst of this, as they're being removed from their home, as they're in a hopelessness, as they're in loss, as they think it's all over, God once again makes them that promise. Don't worry, guys. Out of David's lineage, I'm going to bring out the one that you've been hoping for. Through David, I'm going to bring the one who's going to restore what was broken. I know you think hope is lost, guys, but hold firmly to hope. I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to bring you back. And what's insane about that is that he does it. Because just from like a historical vantage point, um, God does something that has never happened before. Like you had never had a group of people like the Israelites where they had moved them to this new place and then they actually stayed together as a people and then went back to their, to their home. That's ne- that had never happened in the history of the world. So God's even making a promise that I'm going to do something that's never been done for historically. And yet he does it. You guys know that the Israelite nation is still a land. It's a place, right? He does it. So he points to this promise. The whole Old Testament is pointing to this promise, this underlying theme of the one who's coming to heal and to restore. He brings them out of exile, and it's this amazing thing the whole time. So the whole time they're going through exile, the whole time they're in slavery in Egypt, the whole time that they're lost with Abraham, the whole time David's the king, and they're going through good king and bad king, the whole time that this is going on, God is talking to them through prophets. He's talking to them through priests. He's talking to them through kings, reminding them, I'm here. It's not over. I'm here. I'm going to bring hope. The one I'm promising, he's coming. He's coming. Don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. And then he brings them out of this final exile, out of Babylon, makes them a people again, makes them a nation again. And then this crazy thing happens. 
God goes quiet. He's silent. And there had been this God who's talking to them, who's walking with them, who's revealing himself to them through prophets, through priests, through kings for thousands of years, over and over, even when they're thinking things are going crazy. He's there. And you see the Roman Empire come in and take over. They were some bad dudes. They kind of conquered the Israelites and now they're kind of subject under them. They're wondering where God is and he's silent. For at least 400 years, he's quiet. For thousands of years, God had been talking about the prophet, the priest, the king, the one who's coming to encourage them, to let them know that the savior and the healer was coming. And then suddenly everything goes dark. Imagine, like if, if we're going to put our mindsets, minds in the, in the mindset of the Israelites, imagine what that would have been like. You feel like God's been walking with you and talking with you and staying with you this whole time. And then for generations, he's quiet. Like 400 years, that's a long time. Like how old is the United States of America? Like 300 or something, right? I don't know. I should know that. I'm going to look that up later. Like, imagine that. He's quiet. And in this time, all the Israelites have, all these people have, is the hope of the promise. All they can do is look back to what was said before, what was done before. Like, they, they had gone from seeing miracles to just nothing. All they can do is look back and hope and believe. What do they do, right? What, what would we do, right? What would I do? I would be like, well, I don't, wanna, I don't even want to think about what I would probably do, what I would be like. They have this rich history where God has moved. He's provided miracles. He's used men to do incredible things, and then for 400 years, nothing. It's interesting because when we go through tough times, sometimes we feel like God isn't speaking, when, like God's quiet. Like you ever just go through something? Like I, I have, I, I don't know, maybe you're different, but where you, you're just going through something and you're like, I just need God to speak to me. I just need him to reveal himself to me. I just need him to talk to me. And you just feel like he's not there. You feel like he's not talking. You feel like he's just quiet, right? It's in those moments, it in, it's in those times that we as Christians have to remember and look back to what he's done before for us. Look back to how he's healed us before. Look back to how he's restored us before. Look back to how he's been faithful before. And it's in those moments, it's that's what the Israelites had to hang on to. Like, God, you may be quiet now. You may not be speaking to us now, but we remember what you've done before. We remember the miracles that you've performed before. We remember how you've healed before, how you've restored before, how you've been faithful before. And so we trust you to be faithful again. And so it's in that time, it's in that time of waiting where all the Israelites had was hope. Hope of the one that was to come. Hope of a savior, hope of a healer, hope of a redeemer that they didn't even know what it was going to look like. It's hoping for something that you've yet to see and is yet to be revealed to you, but hoping and having faith in God nonetheless. And that's what the Israelite people did. That's what they did. They could do nothing but hope and hold on to the, pro the God's promise that he would be faithful again. Sometimes that's all we have. Sometimes when you go through hard stuff, that's all you have. 
That's all they had. And maybe this morning you feel like you're in a time of silence. Maybe you feel like um, you've been waiting for God to fulfill a promise or to move in your life. As people, we have the benefit of looking backwards and knowing that Jesus came, right? We have the, like literally, our history is divided into before Jesus and after Jesus. We know for a fact he came. And he was the game changer. As ones who have the benefit of looking back, if maybe that's you this morning and, and you're walking through a dark time, you're walking through a quiet time, or maybe you need to hear the voice of God and you feel like he's being quiet, I want to encourage you to hold on to that hope. Remember that he's been faithful before. And if there's a lesson that we learn here from Jesus' coming, how it came not like they thought it would, how it came so much later than they thought it would, how it was so different than what they they just imagine as a people. If there's anything we can learn from that, one thing is that God's timeline is definitely not our timeline. And I want to, don't be discouraged. Like that sounds discouraging, but that's actually an encouraging thing. God's timeline isn't our timeline and God fulfills things sometimes differently than we think he is. And secondly, never lose that hope because if there's one thing we know about God, he is always faithful. And he is always for your good even if that hurts a little bit sometimes. Even if that hurts a little bit sometimes. Today we focus and we celebrate on the hope that comes with Jesus, the hope that is often for things yet unseen. We anticipate and hope for the birth of the Savior. We put our hope in God. So this morning I want to encourage you this week to focus on the hope that God brings in your situations that you may be walking through and and whatever struggles you may be walking through and the difficult times you may be walking through, remember the hope that God brings, the faithfulness that God brings, the goodness that he brings. In a time in our country, in our nation, where we're so divided, let's focus on hope. In a season where people feel so, like it's such a good season, but then at the same time, it's such a hard season for so many people because they're reminded of loss, they're reminded of pain, they're reminded of loved ones who aren't there anymore. Let's, if that's you this morning, let's focus on the hope that Jesus brings. The hope that Christ gives us, I want to encourage you to meditate on it, read on it in the scriptures. Praise God for it. Praise God for it. Because here's this really cool thing, right? Even in the silence, God is faithful. Even in the quiet, God is good. And even when all we have is hope, guess what we have? Hope. Hope is the most beautiful thing. Like if you, if you lose hope, you lose everything in the end. All the Israelites had to hold on to was hope. And in the end, God was faithful. And God was good. He went silent for 400 years, right? He went silent and he went quiet for 400 years, but that doesn't mean he was gone. In fact, it was all in preparation for the most incredible words that he would ever speak. That 400-year waiting period, that silence, it was in preparation for the most incredible words he would ever speak when he finally conquers Satan, when he conquers death, when he restores and heals what was broken with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, when on the cross he speaks those powerful words, it is finished. And then now hope looks like something totally different, doesn't it? We're not hoping for the one to come who is restored We're hoping that now he can change my life, transform my life, hoping to know him, hoping to walk deeply with him. That's a different kind of hope and a whole 
much more beautiful kind of hope. And so this morning, I want to, um, as we begin our Advent season, do we just kind of get started off? I want to encourage you to focus this week to meditate on hope. Hope in that Jesus brings transformation. Hope that Jesus brings life change. Hope that Jesus brings salvation. It's that beautiful thing that we have. I'm going to pray and let's just worship him for that hope that we have this morning. Let's praise him because he is so good to us. Father, I love you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for this Advent season that we get to um, just focus our hearts and minds on you. God, even as we just start, Lord, it's just such a beautiful and exciting time. The gifts are incredible. I'm looking forward to getting some great gifts this Christmas, right? But the truth is, we want to focus our hearts and minds on you. We want to remember what you've done. And this morning, we put our, our hearts and minds, we focus our eyes on what the Israelites faced and what the Israelites went through. And all they had was hope. And we put our hope in you. We, we trust in you, God, to be faithful and good. Because sometimes all we have is that hope. And so, Lord, this morning, if there's anyone here that, that all they have right now is hope and they're struggling, Lord, I pray that you would just tap them on the shoulder and let them know, like you constantly let the Israelites know, hey, I'm here. Hey, I haven't forgotten you. Hey, hope, keep your hope alive. Lord, help us to put our hope and faith and trust in you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.